Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. (laughs) Did not know that was going to happen. Thank you. Good morning, Horizon family. Whether you are joining us on our Princeton campus this morning, God bless you. If you're in the room, maybe you're joining us online or watching this on a Wednesday, I don't know, but just believing that there's going to be something this morning that's going to minister to your heart. And Pastor Daniel was talking a little bit fast, but basically you've been hearing it every week. If you missed something and you want to know more, where do you go? Horizonfam.ca, you got it. That's great. So it's my privilege this morning to close out our series on resilient, being resilient. And I was thinking about it, you know, sometimes people will say to you, oh, don't get bent on a shape about that. But I love the definition, one of the definitions of resilient is to be able to to recoil or spring back into shape after a bending or a stretching or being compressed season. So we're going to talk one more time. This is week six. There's been so many of our speakers, Pastor Mike, Pastor Daniel, I think Pastor Craig, all have spoken to different ways of being resilient. And you can go to our website, you can go to Facebook, our YouTube, and you can catch up if you missed any of those. But we really just felt the need in this season to talk about how are we supposed to be resilient people? How am I a resilient mom? What does being a resilient dad look like? What does being a resilient college student, how does that actually happen? How do I bounce back in those seasons when I'm walking through difficulties and challenges? And this morning, I wanted to talk about the importance of not giving up just before we see our breakthrough. Not giving up just before we see that answer. And Liza talked about it already this morning. She did such a great job. I'm like, thanks, now I don't have to preach, which just basically kind of went along with how this whole message has gone. I has, it's been a while since I've spoken. And honestly, in my mind, one of the best communicators that I know um, is, is my husband. I think he does a phenomenal job. And I'm not just pumping his tires this morning. I actually believe that. <laughs> He is an excellent communicator. And after last week, I was like, you know what? Like, honey, we could just close it out. We could just move on and you can go ahead and start the next series. Because it was, it had been a while and I was, I was having trouble getting the message to fit the way I wanted it to fit. And then I had this moment. Shanda, you are basically quitting on a message about not quitting. How ironic is that? I mean, I had all the answers. I was like, well, in my head, does anybody else do that? Have those conversations in your mind where you work out all the details of what you're going to say and how you're going to say it? And I had it all laid out. Monday morning, I had it all laid out. I was like, okay, hun. So our grandson is due today, the 30th. He's due today. So we know what's going to happen is I'm going to do all this work and I'm going to sweat and I'm going to toil and I'm going to finally get something that resembles a message and then we're going to get the call. Uh, mom, can you look after Windsor because baby's on its way? So my grandson didn't even help me out. He arrived on Thursday morning. He took all my excuses away. I was trying to like reason in my mind, hon, I'm just giving you the heads up. You know, I think you should just preach this week. And I was going to put up a picture of our gorgeous grandson this morning, but then I knew I'd lose you for the rest of the message. So he's actually here this morning. You can go meet him after service, after we're done. But I was ready to quit 
just before I actually got some clarity, which came Wednesday morning. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes there's things that we tell ourselves, as Liza talked about this morning, there's, there's lies and things that we believe and excuses that we give because we're just not quite believing that we're going to see that breakthrough. Because if you've been waiting for a while to hear or see that answer or that breakthrough, we often try to fill in the gap. Well, it's because of this. Or maybe you're, you're one that you just kind of convince yourself, I don't feel worthy of that answer. Maybe that's why I haven't seen my answer yet. Or you know what? God is actually a very busy person. You might not know this, but there's wars going on in the world. And so me trying to find a message to talk about not quitting is not as important as some of those other prayers that need to be answered. So maybe that's why I haven't seen an answer to prayer or the thing that I've been contending and believing for. Or maybe you actually just believe God doesn't care. Not about you or what's important to you. But you know, his word says he knows every hair that's on your head. Maybe you actually believe that your prayers don't make a difference. Or maybe you've just been believing for so long that you've actually given up that you're going to see that answer. Perhaps you find yourself in one of those places this morning. Let's just pray as we dive into the word. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come and speak this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts and our spirits to receive all that you want us to hear this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Like some of you, I grew up in a home uh, where one parent was a Christian and one wasn't. My mom was a believer and she faithfully brought me and my three siblings to church every Sunday. My dad didn't know Jesus and so he was at home. He would come when? Christmas and Easter. Those were the, the two Sundays that we could convince dad to come. And I actually had a very personal encounter with the Lord. I was probably three or four. I was in Sunday school, the Baptist church in Campbell River. And I don't remember much about it other than I know that in that moment when I asked Jesus into my heart, I knew that something had changed and something was different. And so then I was that kid in Sunday school. You know the ones that when you ask like, who has a prayer request this week? And the kid that always puts their hand up and says the same thing. That was me. My prayer request every Sunday was, my dad needs to know Jesus. Could you pray for salvation for my dad? And I would pray and I prayed with a childlike faith. I prayed and believed that God was going to hear me and answer that prayer. And then I continued to pray as I became an adult. I mean, I'm, I prayed for years. Like I'm now an adult, kids of my own. My kids are growing up and graduating. And I had an expectation that one day my dad would give his life to Jesus. But that was just the beginning of my journey. Because I prayed for so long, it came to the point finally when my dad was in his early, late 60s, early 70s, where he actually had early onset Alzheimer's. And it came to the place where I could no longer have cognitive conversations with him. There were moments of clarity, but it wasn't like you could really easily share the gospel. So honestly, if, if I'm honest, I had given up in believing that God was going to answer my prayer. I had an expectation that God was good. 
that he saw me. And as much as I wanted to see my dad saved, I knew that even more so God wanted to save him. But I was beginning to doubt and I was in this place where I didn't see how that answer was gonna come. And you know, some of our expectations can be solid. They can be built on God's thoughts and ideas and God's plan for our lives. But sometimes our expectations can also only come from our own desires. So it's no surprise that we can be confused at times of, of when that breakthrough is gonna come. How do we keep contending and persisting and believing for a miracle if we're constantly filtering how we contend through the filter of do we expect God to hear us? So we often lack resilience and we stop or we give up or we just kind of forget about and not and, and begin to lose hope and belief in those things that we are trusting that God's going to answer. But we don't always know the victory that we might be one step away from. You might be one more connection away from that breakthrough that you've been praying for. You might be one more prayer, one more positive action, one more idea, one more conversation away from seeing God bring the answer that you've been believing for. We're going to look at a story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 to 19. And this is the story of Elisha and King Jehoash. It's Elisha's on his deathbed, and it's kind of that one more time that we see God move through Elisha. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash, the king of Israel, visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows, and the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hands on the bow, and Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open the eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. But now you will be victorious only three times. When you look at this commentary and, and read about this passage, it actually becomes very clear that King Jehoash was a wicked king. He wasn't a king that knew God or followed God's ways or pursued the Lord. He did have enough belief in God and that Elisha heard God that he knew when he was in trouble, he knew where to go. How many of us are like that when you're in a jam and you've tried, Pastor Craig talked about it this morning, you've tried everything that you know how to do to fix the situation and then we go to God. That was kind of like King Jehoash in this moment. Some commentaries actually speculate that um, Jehoash, because he realized that Elisha was on his deathbed and Elisha had been his get out of jail free card, he was kind of concerned, like I see the armies are circling and you're about to die and I need some help here. So he, he might even have been concerned that this like, God, you got to get me out of this moment because I don't know how, how we're going to overcome this. See, he had an expectation that Elisha could help him but his expectation in God was directly reflected in his lack of persistent, 
resilient contending for complete breakthrough. Elisha had commanded him, strike the ground. Jehoash timidly received this invitation of the prophet to shoot the arrows, and he only shot three times. Elisha clearly asked Joash to do something. This passage is actually a great reflection on prayer and what our prayers should look like. See, shooting the arrows required great effort. It required aim. It required purpose. It required instruction and help from the prophet of God. Shooting the arrows had to be done without knowing the exact outcome ahead of time. How many of you, when you pray, you know exactly how God's going to work it out before you even pray? I don't see any hands. If you're here, I'd love to meet you. Because that's what prayer is. It's that step of faith. We don't know what our, how God's going to answer our prayers, but we do know that he does hear and that he will respond. See, the target was only known by faith. Shooting the arrows was ineffective because he didn't repeat it enough and respond to the process that God had laid out. See, Jehoash did not know that God's plan for a nation, the salvation for many people, was tied to his seemingly small actions at the time. And you know, I think at times we look at this story, and I know I've thought this before, and I think, well, you know what, Elisha, you really weren't very fair. Like, what an, a cosmic setup you did. Like, you didn't tell the king exactly how many times he needed to shoot the arrows or strike the ground. And is that not like us that we can think of all of the excuses and the reasons why we didn't after we've been told you should have? He could have made, Jehoash could, Jehoash could have made excuses like, well, you know, I didn't want to be too presumptuous. I didn't want to ask for too much. So I just, you know, shot a couple arrows. Or, you know what, I'm actually not really good at shooting. That's why I have archers in my army because they know how to shoot. Or maybe... Jehoash was like, well, you know what? Elisha didn't tell me. So how was I supposed to know? Isn't like, that goes back to the garden of Eden. We want to point the finger. Well, he didn't tell me what I needed to do. You didn't tell me, you didn't do, you didn't. We want to, we want to find somebody else that we can blame in those moments. I didn't feel like it. What do we say when we've given up on something and we are confronted with the reality that we need to keep pressing in? What are the reasons that we give to God? What thoughts do we fight and battle against when our faith feels weak instead of resilient? You know, over the years, I would pray for my dad's salvation and I would feel guilty. And when you feel guilty, what's the next step? Then you begin to justify. Well, if I, was, if I knew more on how to be an evangelist, um, I'm sure I would have seen my dad saved by now. Or maybe if my prayers were a little bit better, I, I would have seen that by now. And I, I was doing everything I knew how to do. I was praying. I was trying to live my life before my dad that would communicate to him that he needed Jesus. I would take the moments when I would try, Craig would try. We try to invite him out to situations where he could encounter the presence of Jesus. But I began to just listen to those lies in my head, especially when it got near the end, like it's too late. You're not going to see an answer, Shanda. You might as well be, you'd be better off right now if you began to prepare yourself for what it's going to mean if he passes without coming to know Jesus. I tried to rationalize and explain everything away. 
as to why it wasn't my fault that this hadn't happened. But the story of King Jehoash was always in the back of my mind. Shanda, your answer could just be one more prayer away. It could be one more conversation away. Today could be the day. Today, when you go visit your dad, he could be coherent enough that he's going to hear and he's going to know that he needs Jesus. And so I would try to continue to be persistent and resilient and press in. Like I said, I knew God was a good God, that he is a good God, that he hears my prayers. So I kept praying and I kept believing until I finally felt like, okay, we've missed this. Time to prepare yourself, Shanda. But I love again how scripture reminds us of what persistent prayer actually looks like. There's a chapter uh, in the New Testament, Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Don't you just love how God's word doesn't pull any punches? It's pretty clear that you should always pray and never give up. I don't know how you justify that skirt around that or in your mind think that there could be any other option. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. He probably should have been in another career. And a widow came to the city, uh, the widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in my dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people, that's you and me, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have this kind of faith? How many will he find that have faith like this? that persistent widow. What an incredible picture of persistence in prayer. God will surely give justice. The point of this story is not that God is an unjust judge. Do not hear that, please, this morning. The point of this story is that even an unjust judge that did not love people and did not fear God responded to persistence. And if that unjust man could respond to persistence, how much more will our heavenly father who loves us and has good gifts and good plans and good uh, pathways for us, how much more will he respond to our persistent prayers? Can you picture it? I picture this. We have an amazing, beautiful granddaughter who is a toddler and we spend a lot of time with her. And if you're a mom with small kids, you get it. She knows persistence. She only knows a few words. Use them persistently. I can just picture this woman following the judge around. Um, 
Excuse me, judge, I know you're eating your breakfast, but, you know, there's this matter that you have not judged fairly for me. So, you know, I just want you to know I'm just right here. I'm going to be here waiting because I want to bring before you one more time my, my, my matter that needs justice. Oh, judge, there you are. You're in your office. Hi. Just so you know, I'm sitting right here, going to be in the waiting area all day. Just want you to know that I believe that justice is going to happen on my behalf. So I'm going to just keep here. I'm going to remind you, um, judge, hi, I know you're walking home and you're trying not to see me, but judge, I'm right here. You want to know, I, I, this, I have this matter that has not been solved. It has not been resolved. I have not seen justice. Um, judge. That's our little Windsor. She cannot, I'm Lolly and he's Pops. She cannot fully say Lolly or Pops yet. It's often Ollie and Tops. But she knows, Ollie, 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 I'll hear her downstairs, Ollie, 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 Ollie. And she'll even grab my face and pull me in until I'm looking in her eyes. She did this the other day. She put her hands in my mouth. Ollie, 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 Ollie. Yes, dear, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. Yes, hon, what would you like? Ollie, 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 Ollie. And she'll grab me and she'll drag me because she knows where the candy drawer is. Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. That's a picture of persistence. That is a picture of what persistent prayer looks like. That is how Jesus wants us to be pursuing him with our prayers. When things don't look promising, God still hears. I may believe and expect that Jesus will move on my behalf, but am I still that persistent? Have I given up? Have I decided in my mind that I've offered 999 prayers and so that's enough? Or am I that toddler or that widow that will not let go until I get the answer that I need? I don't think we know how to contend for things anymore. I don't think we know fully how to be persistent. We've almost all of us grown up in a microwave generation where we have things just like this. If I look in my fridge and I don't like, because I haven't been grocery shopping, any of the options that are there, there's this amazing app on my phone. And I just open it up and I can choose food from hundreds of restaurants around me. And I just press a button and they deliver it right to my door. I don't even have to get it in my pajamas. It comes right to me. We throw things away so quickly because we've moved on to something better. Our cars, our jobs, family, relationships. You know what? This is getting difficult, so I'm actually just going to go grab something new. When things get hard, we don't always know how to push through and persist. But you see, both of these stories of Elisha and Jehoash and the persistent widow are actually pointing us to persisting in and being resilient in prayer. And I think at this point, it would be really great to remind us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Because we can get those a little bit confused. And you know, if you were contending with somebody in your life that there's a difficulty and you followed them around like the widow, you'd probably be arrested for stalking. And we don't want that. But we are not contending against a person or a situation but against a very real enemy whose primary goal, as stated in scripture, is to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. 
What do you feel like the enemy is trying to destroy this morning? Is it your marriage? Do you feel like you are at the end of your rope because the enemy's being persistent in purposely trying to destroy your home, your marriage? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you're just like Craig talked about this morning. You're so concerned with what's going on financially and you know that there is more month at the end of the month than there is money. The enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the story of the unjust judge, the widow did not give up. And when we realize that Jesus is actually instructing us how to pray, how to pursue him and our answer, not pursue the issue. When we take our eyes off of the individual that's causing us the problem, when we take our eyes off of the situation that's causing us the pain, then we can lift our eyes to Jesus and we can actually begin to persist with a perspective that comes directly from heaven. See, when you remove the individual that's causing the pain, then you can understand what God's talking about and it literally shifts how we pray. Jesus told his disciples that they should always pray and never give up. So how do we do that? How do we pray and never give up? How do we be resilient and keep going when we're facing um, that it looks like there's gonna be no answer? Because in many, in many ways it comes down to it could be one more conversation. Your breakthrough could be tomorrow. So don't give up today. It could be one more prayer away. What if Joshua decided that, you know what, I think I actually heard God say, if we march around the walls six times, that's good enough. What if he stopped on day six? What if he began to question the Lord? He wouldn't have seen the walls fall down. They wouldn't have been given the city without having to fight and battle like they, they, they should have. What about Esther? After months and months of preparation and preparing herself for a one moment audience with the king. What if Esther stopped and didn't go before the king and say, you know what? I need you to fight on behalf of my people. What if Esther decided, you know what? This preparation is too much work. I'm just going to, you know, let the chips fall where they may. What about Joseph? God had given him multiple dreams about what his future was going to look like. What if Joseph decided that, you know what? Those dreams must not have been true because here I am sitting in prison and even the people that I tried to help in prison have forgotten about me. What if Joseph gave up? I'm just reading through the Genesis right now in my devotions, like, an entire nation and the nations around them would have starved. If Joseph had given up in jail and said, I must have missed it. We get tired and discouraged when we haven't seen our answer in one week, let alone 10 weeks, 10 years, 30 years. I honestly had given up on my dad's salvation. I'd been praying for 30 plus years. And I thought the confusion of Alzheimer's was too big of a thing for God to overcome. And isn't it true that we often have more faith for others than we do for ourselves? I can pray with you 
And I'll tell you right now, I believe that when we pray, God hears and he will move. That's why we need community. Those moments when you feel like you're ready to give up. So how do we become a resilient, persistent people of prayer? Number one, we need to know what God says. Elisha told the king to strike the ground. That was it. Not shoot and stop. And you see, when you look at it, God direct, or Elisha directly tied the first arrow that he shot. What did he say? This, is, this represents your victory. So the king should have been aware that when Elisha then told him to pick up the arrows, plural, I can picture him picking up all the arrows that are left. Why did he think he should stop at three? God had already spoken through Elisha and communicated to him, this arrow represents victory. So what kind of a victory do you want? He should have just kept going and going and going either until he ran out or until Elisha says, okay, okay, okay. Yes, you get it. You know how to be persistent. Joshua knew that God had spoken to him clearly, so he didn't hesitate. He walked around that wall with, those, with, the, with, the, with the people that were with him there was people shouting curses at them. I mean, I'm sorry, I have small kids. My kids were small and, the, and Joshua at the Battle of Jericho and the, the peas on the top and they're throwing slushies down on the heads of, of anybody in the room who's seen Veggie Tales knows that story. <laughs> but that's all I can picture. Like they're making fun of him and they're laughing at him and throwing purple slushies on their heads. But they kept going because Joshua knew what God had said. It's so easy to give up if you don't have a firm conviction of what you're persisting for. But what did God say? We have to know what God says. What does his word say? And you know what? If you're in a time of confusion right now and you're not sure what God's speaking to you, something we tell people all the time is if you're in that place and you're just not sure, what was the last clear thing you heard God say? You know that moment where you were in worship and it was super clear and God just spoke to you? If it's been kind of fuzzy since then, then go back to that moment. And in that moment, begin to contend for what you heard God say. It's easy to lose heart in prayer because the devil hates prayer. Family, if prayer were powerless, it would be easy. Think about it. If prayer was powerless, we would all have no problem doing it. Prayer room would be filled on Tuesday nights because there'd be, no, there'd be nothing else on our schedule of what we needed to do. But you see, too often, prayer becomes a last resort instead of our first resource because we're not always convinced of the reality of the power of prayer. Number two, we need to know the answer doesn't always come how we expect it. If you have in your mind that there is a certain way that your answer to prayer is going to look, or if you have a certain time frame that you think that answer is going to come, then it makes sense that you'll be discouraged if it doesn't happen. I am the person that likes to plan and to have everything laid out. Lord, you can come here. And then I'd like you to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. Okay? Can you sign off on my plan? I, I, I'm super organized. I've got it all laid out. But see, God doesn't work that way. 
I had given up on seeing my dad coming to know Jesus. Because I had a, in my mind a certain way it was going to look and a time frame it was going to happen. My dad did surrender his life to Jesus, but it did not look like what I thought it was going to look like. About six months before my dad passed, our family found out about a half-brother that none of us knew existed, not even my dad. And about six months before my dad finally passed away, this brother reached out and we got to know who he was. And a long story short, he had given his life to Jesus when he was young. And he had the opportunity to meet my dad on Father's Day in June 2015. 2016, my husband says. And he was able to, in one of those moments of lucidity, talk to my dad, to his dad, and lead him to Jesus. God doesn't always answer the way we expect him to answer. It doesn't look like how we've expected it to look. But he does answer. And number three, we need to know that we must persist. Ephesians lays it out pretty clearly. Having done all. Having done what? All. What does that mean? You have done everything you know how to do to keep standing. Having done all, stand. Stand. I want to close with a story from, it's actually from John Wesley's journal. You know, when we look back on the reformers and historians, we often look back um, just looking at the highlights of their life and thinking and, and, and just celebrating their successes, which is a good thing. But this is an excerpt from John Wesley's journal. 1738, Sunday morning, May the 7th. Preached at St. Lawrence's. Was asked to not come back anymore. Sunday evening, May the 7th. Preached at St. Catherine's Cree Church. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 14th, preached at St. Anne's. Hmm, can't go back there either. Sunday, mor- Sunday afternoon, May 21st, pre- preached at St. John's. Kicked out again. Sunday evening, May 21st, pre- preached at St. Somebody Else's, Bennett's maybe. The deacons called a special meeting and said that I couldn't return. He could have quit. How many times? Then in 1739, Almost a year later, March 10th, preached in a meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the services. Sunday, September the 9th, preached to 10,000 people three weeks in a row in Moorfields. What if Wesley had given up when that bull was turned loose in the field? He was so close to his breakthrough, but he didn't know it at that moment. He could have easily and justifiably said, you know what, I think I'm done. But if he had given up, we would not know about the revival that came from John Wesley of the Methodist movement of people who came to know Jesus as a result, the thousands of people that came to know Jesus as a result of his ministry. You know, all told the path from rejection to the 10,000 listeners was over 500 days. 
That's a significant chunk of your life in 1700 America. But Wesley knew what God had said and that he had to share it. Worship team, why don't the rest of you come on up? If you've been contending for an answer, I want to just encourage you this morning. Don't give up. It's not too late. Today is a new day. Why don't you stand with me, family? Those of you in Princeton, why don't you go ahead and join us and stand? We don't want to be people that are bent out of shape and we stop persisting just before we see a breakthrough. I really felt this morning as I was preparing that I want us to take a few moments and just spend some time, even the altars are open here, I'd encourage you to come forward. That if you've been discouraged, maybe you've, you've been listening to the condemnation of the enemy in your head because you haven't been faithful like that persistent widow, you haven't been praying day and night, you haven't been pursuing, God, I need an answer, I wanna see you move. Whatever the reasons would be, maybe you're feeling that condemnation of you've given up. Today is a new day. And I believe that God is gonna come this morning in this moment and he's gonna lift off the condemnation. He's gonna lift off the doubt. He's gonna lift off the shame and he's gonna actually cause hope to come alive in some of your hearts this morning. I feel like there's some here that you are in the middle of a battle right now and you feel like you wanna quit because you just don't know how that answer is gonna come. If those two categories cover you and if not, I just really feel like as we close this series out, if there's something in you that says, I want to be a more resilient person. I wanna be that resilient man, that resilient husband, that resilient mom. I wanna invite you to just come forward this morning and I'm gonna pray for you. It can be for any of those things. If you just wanna see more resilience in your life, if you need prayer because you're on, you're ready to give up, or if you've already given up and you're just like, I don't see how this is gonna happen. Just go ahead and come down right now and I'm just gonna pray. Because today is a new day. It's time to pick the arrows back up this morning and to keep shooting, to keep going, to keep praying, to keep believing, to not give up hope. It's not too late. I felt that God say that so clearly to me that today is a new day. Let all the lies fall aside. Let me pray for you. Let's close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you for how powerful the word of God is. God, that you see each and every one of us where we're at. Lord, that no matter what we're facing and no matter what we're feeling in our heart, you are alive and you hear us. And so Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for every individual that has come forth. And in Princeton this morning, I would love it if you could come forward as well and or put your hand up and those that are around you, Pastor Jen can lay hands on you and pray for you. But Lord, I thank you that every individual right now that is on the verge of breakthrough, Lord, whether they've come forward or not, that you see them and you know what they need. And so right now in the name of Jesus, I speak to every lie that has come to people's minds 
minds, whatever excuses that they've had, whatever declaration the doctor has said over you of you're, you're not gonna be made well. I felt like this morning as well, there's individuals that are battling in their physical bodies that you are struggling. You are, you've been contending like, God, I need a miracle. My doctor has told me there is no hope and I need an answer. I need to see an answer because Lord, I know that I'm not done yet. And so Lord, I pray for every individual that's been told a medical reason why they are, their days are numbered. Lord, I thank you that they will have not one day less than you ordained for them. Lord, we speak health into physical bodies. Lord, we curse cancerous cells in the name of Jesus that they would shrivel up and die. Lord, I thank you that you are the same God that you healed others before. You've done it in the past. We know others that you have touched. So in this moment, Lord, would you bring healing to physical bodies. Lord, would your blood literally do a transfusion in someone's physical body and all sickness would go in the name of Jesus. Lord, those that need strength in their physical body, where there's degeneration of discs, Lord, where there's degeneration of muscle, where there's um, inability, your hands, what is that called when you're, your, huh? No. Can't remember what it's called. When you're, 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 you lose strength like in your hands and in your joints. Arthritis. God, I speak to arthritis right now in the name of Jesus. Whoever it is this morning that is suffering with pain from arthritis, God, that you would restore to them that the oil of joy that you gave for mourning would bring healing, that the anointing oil of Holy Spirit would come upon those right now, that you would literally give them new joints. A creative miracle this morning. Lord, those that need a financial breakthrough, Lord, as they look to the future and they do not know how they're gonna make it beyond next week, that you will surprise them even this week with finances in their mailbox, in their account, that they would get a text message from someone, that cash will show up on their doorstep. Whatever it is, Lord, that we've been contending for in this room, salvation of family members, God, it's never too late. Father, would you reignite within us a passion for being a persistent people of prayer. Father, would you come and move in every situation this morning. Thank you that you are restoring hope. Lord, I pray that hope and faith would come alive in every individual that has given up and is ready to quit. That hope that something will be stirred in them this morning that would come alive, that they would believe that they can still contend, that they would believe that they will still see that answer. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.